the vast sea of podcasts on the web. 99.99999% of them are boring at best and predictable at worst. <laughs> Excuse me. Whew. Can we open that? Can we open the door? This is the Buttercream and Grit Show. Everything and nothing all wrapped into one. From current event discussions to talking about... Wait, 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 wait. Squirrel! <clears throat> Where was I? From current event discussions to talking about YouTube and throwing two middle fingers in the air to political correctness. Suck. Suck. It. It. Yes, we've lost our damn minds. And if you haven't lost yours, turn this podcast off. Now for the crazy motherfuckers that stayed. This is the Buttercream and Grit Show. And now your hosts, Buttercream and Grits. Yo, 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 what's happening? Welcome back to the Buttercream and Grit Show with just grits. Yep, it's just story time with grits this week. As old Buttercream, he is working on his SpaceX tryouts. The last time I saw that heifer, he was parked himself in the front of the Piggly Wiggly in that coin-operated rocket ship trying to get ready for his tryouts with SpaceX. Can't never know what that rascal's going to do. So this week I thought we would take a little time and do story time with Grits like we did the time before back when uh, Buttercream was Sasquatch hunting. And you know, our minds by nature are story processors, not logic processors. Jonathan Haidt once observed that. And you know, social psychologists will tell you that we as humans use narratives to make sense of our lives and the things that we can't make sense of. Because if we can't make sense of it, then we're afraid and it causes fear and misunderstanding. But also, you can use stories not only to make sense of things, but you can also use it to teach valuable life lessons. And fortunately, there are time-tested archetypal narratives that are based on tropes that help us gain those teachable insights so we can become better people. And today I'm going to share with you a couple of stories uh, that are some of those archetypal teachable insights. And, you know, you hear their fables, parables, and stories with morals, essentially, that everybody should know. Now, the first story we're going to investigate is a story about Poseidon. All right. Now, you know, everybody knows Poseidon was the god of the sea, depending on which arc mythological genre you're looking at, whether it's Greek, Roman, or whatever. They all pretty much stole the same thing. And the story goes something like this. Poseidon was sitting at his desk working. The administration of all the waters was a huge task. He could have had as many assistants as he wanted, and in fact, he did have a large staff. But since he took his job very seriously and went through all the calculations himself anyway, assistants were of little use to him. One couldn't say that the work made him happy, 
either. He only did it because it was his to do. Yes, he had often requested happier work, as he put it, but whenever they came back to him with suggestions, it turned out that nothing appealed to him as much as what he was doing. It was actually very difficult to find anything else for him. It was hardly possible to put him in charge of a particular C, quite apart from the fact that the calculations involved were no less onerous, just more trivial since great Poseidon was only ever in line for an executive post. And if he was offered a job in a different department, the very thought of it was enough to turn his stomach. His divine breath became restless, his bronze thorax quaked. Not that they took his complaints all that seriously. If a great power kicks up, then you have to be seen to give in to him, even in the most hopeless cause. No one seriously thought of having Poseidon removed from office. He had been god of the seas from the beginning of time and would have to remain such. The thing that most angered him, and this was the principal cause of his unhappiness in his job, was when he got to hear what people thought it involved, that is, forever parting the waves with his trident, and when all the time he was sitting at the bottom of the ocean up to his ears and figures, the occasional visit to Jupiter was really the only break in the monotony. A visit, moreover, from which he usually returned in a towering bad temper. He hardly ever clapped eyes on the seas, only fleetingly on his hurried way up to Olympus, and he had never sailed them as such. He tended to say he was waiting for the world to end, first because there was bound to be a quiet moment just before the end when he had signed off on his last calculation and would be able to take himself on a little cruise somewhere. And the moral of this story is this. The only thing more insane than the modern office workplace is what we make of it. Too often, it's our ego that keeps us from walking away. Now, that little Poseidon story, if that seems very Kafka-esque, is that's because it was written by Franz Kafka, the great German uh, writer. So even in Kafka, you can learn some valuable life lessons. Is not to take things very seriously and read more into it than it really is. The second story that I think uh, I would share this evening with you would probably be the one would be, I would have to say, St. George in Retirement. And St. George in Retirement is a story that is essentially about obsession. It's a variation of the legend of St. George and the dragon, and it was penned by an Australian philosopher, Kenny Minogue, to illustrate the history of liberalism. And it goes a little something like this. After many centuries of hopelessness and superstition, St. George, in the guise of rationality, appeared in the world somewhere about the 16th century. The first dragons upon whom he turned his lance were those of despotic kingships and religious intolerance. 
These battles won. He rested for a time until such questions as slavery or prison conditions or the state of the poor began to command his attention. During the 19th century, his lance was never still. Prodding this way and that against the inert scaliness of privilege, vested interest, or patrician insolence. But unlike St. George, he did not know when to retire. The more he succeeded, the more he became bewitched with the thought of a world free of dragons, and the less capable he became of ever returning to private life. He needed his dragons. He could only live by fighting for causes. The people, the poor, the exploited, the colonial oppressed, the underprivileged, and the underdeveloped. As an aging warrior, he grew breathless in his pursuit of smaller and smaller dragons, for the big dragons were now harder to come by. The moral of the story is this. Not knowing when to quit is the first step of the descent into madness. Beware of St. George and Retirement Syndrome, the obsession with pursuing a laudable goal. Now, wonderful life lesson. Wonderful. Now, I think the last story I'm going to touch on on this was story time with Grits this week is The Blind Men and an Elephant. The Blind Men and an Elephant is an ancient Indian parable about objectivity. All right, and it goes a little something like this. A group of blind men heard that a strange animal called an elephant had been brought to the town but none of them were aware of its shape and form. Out of curiosity, they said, we must inspect and know it by touch, of which we are capable. So they sought it out, and when they found it, they groped about it. The first persons whose hand landed on the trunk said, this being is like a thick snake. For another whose hand reached its ear, it seemed like a kind of fan. As for another person, whose hand was upon its leg, said, The elephant is a pillar, like a tree trunk. The blind man, who placed his hand upon its side, said the elephant is a wall. Another who felt its tail described it as a rope. The last felt its tusk, stating the elephant is that which is hard, smooth, and like a spear. The moral of this little antidote and story is simple. Each of our perspectives can be true yet incomplete. More things than what we perceive can be true at once. And I think I'll share one more story with you. Um, it's a lesson that a lot of us need to learn a little more frequently and probably practice a little more often. And that's the, the lesson of learning to be silent. Um, and, it, you know, holding one's tongue is a very difficult. And me and Buttercream, we know that firsthand because a lot of times we don't shut up and listen because we just yammer on and on and on. But this is a story, uh, is, a, is a puzzle, is a Zen story, and it's intended to reveal a greater truth. 
but it, it is as relevant as ever, in the, particularly in the age of social media when everybody piles on and everybody can put their phones down and get away from a screen. And it goes something like this. The Tendai school used to study meditation before Zen entered Japan. Four of them, who were intimate friends, promised one another to observe a seven days of silence. On the first day, all were silent. Their meditation had begun auspiciously, but when night came and the oil lamps were growing dim, one of the pupils could not help exclaiming to a servant, Fix those lamps. The second pupil was surprised to hear the first one talk. We are not supposed to say a word, he remarked. You two are stupid. Why did you talk? asked the third. I am the only one who has not talked, concluded the fourth pupil. And the moral of the story, just be silent. You don't always have to have the last word or say anything. Now, one thing that's really interesting about these stories that I've told you today is that they can mean different things to different people. The moral you take from one of the stories might differ than the moral I take or buttercream takes. If you recognize something else in them, depending on how the narrative relates to a personal experience that you've had, that's what makes things memorable. And it becomes an important life lesson. So feel free to share the stories. Think about the stories and see what life lessons you can draw from what I've shared with you today. And that, my friends, is the snout and the curly tail and everything in between. And hopefully Buttercream will lose all of his coins and his pockets will be empty. So he will join us back next week here on the Buttercream and Grit Show. You've been listening to the Buttercream and Grit Show. If you were able to make it to the end of the show, you have serious mental issues and you're probably family. We hope you've enjoyed the show. If you did, make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. Drop us a note at grits at thecarolinaunderground.com. And if you're one of the rare listeners with opposable thumbs, go to www.thecarolinaunderground.com slash buttercream and grits. Stay crazy, motherfuckers. See you next time on the Buttercream and Grid Show. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.